Hello, Innovating Music Digital Family. My name is Dr. Gigi Johnson, your host for the past four years. We just recorded this episode on Friday, wanted to rush it out there. For those of you who were trying to think new thoughts for your artists or your life on how you might find a new live but not face-to-face audience for music. Karen Allen has been exploring this space along with uh, artists and other compatriots in looking at Twitch for musicians on how to live stream with tip jars and other means and emojis that you can find an audience that is seeking someone exactly like you that's different from your existing audience. So please enjoy this episode. Toward the end, Karen will share how you can find out more, and we will work to get you more on-the-ground time of COVID-19 ideas in how we are innovating music. We are in a time of high uncertainty, stress, and chaos maybe is a good or bad word in this environment. It's weird. It's really weird. It's weird. weird. And, And you, as the author and teacher in this really unique space of Twitch for Musicians, have been ahead of what's an interesting curve. And I would like us to start out before we hear about how you got to this interesting dynamic. Some people may need even need to know what Twitch is. Can you share what Twitch is? Sure. Yeah. So Twitch is a live stream platform where gamers play games live for other gamers. That's basically, I would say, 95% of what Twitch is. It's gamers playing games for gamers, uh, which sounds really dumb if you're not a gamer. If you are a gamer, that sounds awesome. And because that sounds awesome to gamers, they became massively huge. Because gamers are just you know creative people and it's a creative art with it getting so huge, a bunch of other little creative art categories kind of spawned underneath of it. And that's how we get to music. It's how we get to ASMR. It's how we get to talk shows and podcasts. It's how we get to visual art. There's all these little communities underneath this banner of gaming that have kind of popped up along the way. So I did, I warned you, I would ask what things were. Mm -hmm. What's ASMR? (laughs) (laughs) ASMR is when you whisper into a microphone. Most people will know ASMR from the Super Bowl ad where some really famous actress was whispering into a microphone out, you know, the middle of nowhere and everyone's like, what's going on? ASMR is a style of video that got popular on YouTube and it's people... Um, speaking very close to the mic and sort of very like, you know, warm FM DJ tones. Some people, they get little brain tingles and skin tingles. And people will even like crinkle paper or eat something. When they talk, they'll just read manuals because they have a nice voice for a manual. And it's done done really, really well. And it's interesting because it's a time now where we are almost seeking comfort. So maybe that is a really interesting space. But I I guess to me in looking at this, that that Twitch is a place where there is space for everything and environments and people who are wanting to come into community with somebody. It's space for Uh, creative arts. They are not everything to all people. I don't ever think Twitch is going to be the next YouTube in the sense that any category goes. I just don't think so. 
And so it's owned by Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they was purchased by Amazon. For eight hundred right? million dollars. Yeah. Eight hundred million dollars. Uh-huh. And it is different than YouTube because it actually has mechanisms to tip and pay the creator, right? Right. Which, you know, YouTube finally has that too. But the the thrust of Twitch is that it is live streaming. And the thrust of YouTube is that it's video on demand. And those are the two really big defining differences. Twitch does have video on demand. You can archive your shows. You can make clips and highlights from your shows and put that on your profile page. and People can access those on demand. YouTube does have live streaming. But the thrust of YouTube is on demand and the thrust of Twitch is live streaming. You go, you go to Twitch to watch live. You don't go really to watch on demand. So today I was on Facebook and today we're, we're March 12th in the early middle, the middle middle, the early panic of <laughs> the uh, COVID-19 um, closures of a lot of events. So people were basically coming to each other and saying, where can I take a concert online where I can get paid? And so that's why I wanted to have this conversation today and get this conversation out to people that Twitch is an option. Can you share a bit about how that is and why you've put a book and a class together about it? Yeah, sure. So look, I think Twitch is great for growing a fan base and for monetizing that fan base directly. And it works best if you are doing shows over a period of time. So if you're going to regularly stream, Twitch is a really, really great place to do that. If you just want to go in for a quick one-off online show and you're a medium to large size artist and you can definitely charge an online ticket, then you should go to Stage It. They are great for that. But you're only going to get people to come to your Stage It show who signed up for your Stage It show versus a platform like Twitch where someone's live streaming something at all times. Like there's probably, I'm going to guess right now on Twitch being a Thursday night, you know, in the middle of March, I'm going to say there are probably 5,000 people. I, I can't go online and see, but I'm pretty, it's probably like 5,000 people watching the music category right, right now, maybe more. And that's not true of Stage It. That's not even true of, of YouTube. There aren't 5,000 people watching music streams on YouTube right now. So if you want to go where there's already audience and, and where you can build from that audience and you can monetize your streams, Twitch is a really good solution for that. If you just want to do a quick one-off, we lost our gig, we want to do one per month and we can bring our audience in, then I think Stage is probably a better solution for that. Or can you then take your Twitch fan base and have them have a special thing on stage it or you could but the problem with that is they are so invested in the platform with their money and with their channel points which is kind of like loyalty points that you get for watching the stream that you can spend on perks in the stream when you subscribe to a channel which you can do for five ten or twenty five dollars a month the channel owner can make their own custom emoji that you can use in that stream. And people want to use that emoji. It's basically branded emoji, but it also lets you do things like laugh and clap and dance and, you know, all the things you want to do to express yourself in a chat. We should probably explain how live streaming works. So live streaming is a, it's a live video stream and there's a chat alongside of that. And the chat is where, the viewers communicate with the streamer and also with each other. They can talk amongst themselves and also with the streamer all in the same chat window. And the chat 
has all the same social mechanics of the chat on your phone. You know, you send someone a text, you want to put a cute little emoji to to sort of express your feelings, right? Same exact thing with a chat on on live streaming. So, so as a streamer, to be able to make your own custom emoji, it's really cool. And people will pay five bucks a month to access your emoji. So that's not going to be um, available to them on stage it. I think of the big Twitch streamers in gaming. And I have a Twitch streamer who lives down the hall in my house who has been a Overwatch player for years mm-hmm. and has a, a channel. So I'm kind of used to watching him do it. What type of fan base size do people have on Twitch as musicians? In terms of audience, there are some artists on there who have been on for a long time and they do between 800 to 1,000 concurrent viewers, which is really strong. Others that have been on there for a long time are mostly in the, you know, 300 to 500 concurrent, which is still really good. I would say most people are in the 200 concurrent viewer and below, mm-hmm. which is still good. If you have 100 people concurrently, that's really good. I, I always say, like, 10 concurrent viewers is a party. That's fun. <laughs> like, if they're all talking and chatting, that's a good time. If you can get up to 20 or 30 concurrents, that's generally when you start to see the tipping come in. Um, if you have 20 to 30 concurrents and you're streaming regularly over time, then you will qualify into Twitch's monetization program. And that's when you can start charging subscriptions for people who want it. You cannot require people to pay a subscription. It's optional. And people can start spending virtual currency on you. And Twitch shares all that revenue back with the creators. So this, in many ways, is possibly the ultimate. I'm sitting alone in my house and can't leave my house way to go to an event without going to an event. Yeah, exactly. And it's also been a great way for artists who just want to find audience to find audience. I think that's the hardest thing. You know, it's not so hard for an established artist to take their show online because they already have fans and people will go. It's really hard, even with all the options we have today for promotion and as many of the gatekeepers that have gone away and it's, you know, distributions acts is open to anybody. It's still really hard to get an audience. It's really hard to monetize that audience. And this is what knocked me out about Twitch. When I started really getting deep into it about a year, year and a half ago, seeing these artists, on Twitch who were good and had good followings and I could see how much money they were making because I could see it coming in. And then I would go to their YouTube and I would go to their Instagram and they didn't have hardly any following there. They may have one or two songs on Spotify, but usually not. And they were able to get so much further ahead in terms of money and fan base than, you know, I've seen people do spending years on Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify. And connecting all those dots would be possibly a blessing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that I've got all of these balls in the air. I can be still talking into the ether with some of these other platforms. And yeah, this is a way where you can sort of get a real vibrant sense on a real-time basis of people who are wanting to spend time with you as an artist. For sure. And, and this is definitely like a really golden time to join Twitch because it's still an emerging platform for artists and it's not saturated. This is another reason why I wanted to write the book because I feel like this is it's so hard to find emerging platforms when they're big enough to support 
you know, the first round of, of users and good enough to attract more, but not so big that if I were to join today, I would get lost. It, it's, it's in that spot now where if you were to join today, you would not get lost. So it, it's an amazing time to do it. It's just complicated. You know, it was way harder than it needed to be. It took me six to eight weeks to pull a channel together. It's not easy. Once you know it, like once you learn it, you're like, oh my God, this was so easy. But there's really nothing to show you, you know, from first step to the last, what to do. And you're using three different platforms and two different monetization systems and up to five different services. It took me a little bit to even figure that out that I don't go live off of Twitch. There's there's no go live button on Twitch. You need a streaming platform to then be actually recording it, or I should say, Recording is the wrong word, right? It's it's having it translated into what Twitch, Twitch can carry. You need a live stream production software program to produce the stream and to encode it and to send that stream to Twitch. The good thing is that program is free. <laughs> it's called <laughs> it's called Open Broadcaster Software, OBS for short. It's a it's open source, meaning just you know a whole team of people on GitHub just go at it, and it's really stable and really solid, and it's a great program. And you use that. The good thing I love about OBS is that it's not Twitch specific; it is platform agnostic. So if you wanted to multicast across Twitch and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Mixer and Caffeine all at the same time, you can do that right from OBS. And there are services that will unify the chat across all those services into one chat feed so you can see all the chat comments coming in from all those services. Wow. So I was trying to start to do OBS on my computer back, uh, I don't know, probably about five months ago, and I got about three hours into it going, Oh my gosh, this is complicated. It's it's yeah, I know. And like we've you and I've been in this for a long time. I've been I've been an internet girl since the internet was a thing. <laughs> you know, like I'm really good at googling when I get stuck. I have never googled anything so much in my life as this. I actually sat on two tech support calls with Streamlabs. They have their own branded version of OBS. Um, fortunately, I just been on a panel with the president of the company and I emailed him like, give me one of your tech guys. I am stuck. And then he got stuck. It's just like, what is happening here? Um, so yeah, so I basically put in into the book and into the course, you know, click here. This is what this does. This is what encoding means. This is, you know, what frame rate and bit rate means. And here's how you figure out what your bit rate's going to be because it doesn't figure that out automatically for you. It's very much dependent on your your internet upstream capability. Like it gets really dorky. And I thought no one is going to do this. It makes sense that gaming is what took off on this platform because PC gamers love to tinker with stuff. So of course they're going to go through all sorts of roll. But, you know, artists aren't. But it's such an amazing opportunity for them. It's so incredible. So this is kind of why I dropped everything and fired my clients and threw myself into it and and um, found an artist to produce a stream for. So I actually knew what I was talking about and and wrote a book and wrote a course and I've been spreading the word ever since. So was Marina V the artist? Marina V is the artist uh, who was it was very nice to indulge my curiosities. We're coming up on her one-year Twitch anniversary. I've known her for a long time. I describe her kind of like a Tori Amos on Prozac. She's 
really wonderful. A, a, a Russian Tori Amos. A on Russian Prozac. Tori Amos on Prozac. Um, she's lived in in America for twenty years, so she has very good English. Her fans love her. She writes beautiful songs. She's got the voice of an angel, and she loves talking with her fans. She plays piano and sings, and her husband plays guitar in some of the songs. But she really loves touring, and she got pregnant last year and was going to lose all of her touring income and needed to take extensive time off and that to be okay. So she was down for it. She's like, you know, I was going to do concert window anyway. I may as well do Twitch. And it's, it's been really incredible. She's game for anything, which is great. And I basically take care of all the technical part of her stream. And I just kind of let her go in terms of the creative part. And then we've been involving her community in some of the creative decisions too. So I think it was 2005, I walked into a coffee bean and tea leaf and there she was playing keyboard and aggressively working her email list in the crowd with with the people who are helping her and had all of the social media that was around then, which wasn't, which is in a different world, a powerful, interesting, very adventurous personality. So that's very cool. She's a worker. Yeah. As a gamer tech girl, how did you get to this and what, what are all the pieces and who did you fire to, what clients did you fire? <laughs> you don't need to tell me necessarily what clients, how did you get to this point? I've been falling down the live stream rabbit hole since 2016. I discovered you now just through the course of, you know, doing biz dev and strategy for tech companies in the entertainment space, ran across you now and couldn't figure out why teenagers were spending money to watch other teenagers make content that you could basically see on YouTube. It really wasn't much different between what people were doing on a live stream versus what they were doing on YouTube. So what was you now? Because I remember I saw it when it first wandered in and I also thought, what the heck? Yeah, it's a live stream platform. It was mostly teenagers and it was sort of kids hanging out with kids. That was most of it. There was some music on there. Emma McGann was an artist who was on there pretty early. She's now on Twitch. There's another artist who ended up getting signed to Columbia. But this basically, there was just this really huge audience of, you know, mostly teen creators and mostly teen viewers. And it was monetized the exact same way that Twitch is monetized, payable subscriptions, and then virtual currency that you could spend on um, perks in the stream or gifts, virtual gifts for the creator. And people were doing really well. I mean, there was there was a kid whose mom quit her job to manage him, and he's you know just some kid in Austin. So I ended up I was doing panels on this at Meetem and South by Southwest in 2016. I was kind of the lone voice saying, hey, <laughs> live, live, look at this live streaming. Yeah. And just kind of stayed with it uh, ever since. And then last year, decided to sort of put my chips into the music side of Twitch. I had gone to TwitchCon in 2016, actually, and talked to some artists who were there and sort of immersed myself in the whole Twitch culture. And between that and being a streamer myself on YouNow, I actually, I actually did a channel on YouNow because Again, I couldn't figure out why kids were paying for this. Like, what are they paying for? So I did a stream to figure it out from the inside. I wanted to have that direct experience. And I got it. I got it almost immediately. It's been a good four months just streaming a lot and talking to people. And and you can see. You can see where they go from being a casual observer, a lurker, right, in the chat, to a mm-hmm. chatter, to someone who thinks this is all nice, to now I am in. Now I am a fan, 
And, you know, I, I, I was just doing like adult advice stuff because I'm not a teenager and it's a video platform and I can't fake this. So I just did a basic advice stream saying, you know, I'm not your mom, I'm not your counselor, I'm not even a therapist, and I don't have kids. But if there's anything you want to ask an adult <laughs> in your life and get a straight answer on, I will give it my best shot. You are, you know, take it your own risk, basically. And people came in and just wanted to talk. And they really wanted to connect. But really what it, what it came down to is that, that feeling of being acknowledged, you know, as a, as a creator, it felt good to me to see people participate in my show, you know, in my stream, not really a show, just a stream. It, it felt good to have people come in and participate in what I was saying. It was kind of validating. And for them, it felt good for them when I acknowledged them and answered their questions and made conversation and drew them into the conversation. I had, I had one kid in there asking me one time how to come out to their parents, and there was another kid in there who was gay. So I asked them. I said, how did you do it? I'm not, I'm not gay. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. And you know, people really like being acknowledged. And you sort of have this nice little volley going back and forth, and it, it becomes not television. It becomes this little micro community that you are now intrinsically a part of. And I saw the exact same dynamic happening on Twitch, which told me that this is not a teenage phenomenon. It is symptomatic of the type of platform this is. And it pulls on some very basic impulses and instincts we have as human beings. And when you can pull those three things together, it's absolutely magic. And then if you can put low engagement, low monetization, or even no monetization ways to participate in high engagement, high monetization ways to, to participate, people will. People want to return value for value. And if you give them ways to do it that meets them at their level, they will. Are most of the participants, though, under 20? On you now? I would say so. On Twitch? Over. Twitch is 55%, 18 to 35. Average age is 21. So these aren't kids. These aren't 12-year-old girls looking for attentions from 12-year-old boys. I mean, if it can work with them, it, you know, it also works with millennials. It's mostly millennial platform. It's definitely Gen X too, for sure. Yeah. And I think a while ago, the, the Bob Ross stuff is still up. Bob Ross's perennial favorites. That was very early with Twitch expanding past games. I think they just went ahead and bought the rights and put it out as kind of a goof. And it worked. And people started watching it. And and again, having his whole side conversations as they were watching. There's there's It's important to know that there's actually two communities. Well, there's three, but I'll talk about two. There's two communities happening on Twitch. There's the community that as a creator, you create around yourself. And then there's the community of viewers that takes place in the chat. So that's why Bob Ross, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a he's show. very obviously not around anymore. Yeah. But you're watching he's recordings like, of Bob Ross he's not painting jump, paintings. Yeah. He's not going to jump in the chat. There's no one to interact with. So, but it's an interesting show. You know, it's calming. It's, I call it visual ASMR. And people loved him and started you know, chatting amongst themselves and doing their own little jokes and, and so forth in the chat. And it, it just took off. That was one of their first big non-gaming hits that kind of opened their eyes to, wow, okay, maybe we should do more on the creative side 
and not just the gaming side. And they actually had a whole section called Twitch Creative. That's how they broke it out. They had gamings over here and then creatives over here. And all the non-gaming categories were kind of stuffed in the creative side of the platform. They've done away with that now. And it's just a bunch of categories and just jump in where you want to jump in. That's how far back it goes. Um, so I'm now teaching from home for a while mm-hmm. as the university of UCLA, and this is from UCLA, has doing everything remotely. But I think I might have a more flexible time. So it might be that I'll be watching more Twitch between things uh, and all the time, especially that I'm not driving back and forth to the university. Yeah. Uh, if you want to watch some Twitch music streams, the best times to do it are weeknights. And that sounds like so obvious, but I don't think it is, (laughs) you know, it's actually international. So if you want to watch European streamers then definitely, you know, throw it on uh, daytime for us here. Um, If you want to watch people in Asia, then account for that 15 hour time difference. But yeah, it gets really popping on the US side weeknights and the later in the week, the more popular it is. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, so somebody who wants to get involved with this, the the entry is a little bit steep in terms of not money, but in complexity. And so they probably want to have a partner in crime to help them through it. You offer training for partner in crime? I do. So I have a book. If if you like go at your own pace book learning, then the book is for you. And if you'd rather watch a bunch of videos and have a Q&A commentary on each one of those videos that I look at every day and answer questions on, then the course is much better for you. And you can find the book on the Amazon? Yeah, the book is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks. It's also on my website in ebook form only. If you want print, then you're going to have to go to one of the retailers. It's actually at 44,000 retailers worldwide. Book publishing works just like music distribution does now. You just sign up and you're everywhere. It's crazy. Excellent. Maybe that, well, how do people do that? <laughs> <laughs> How do people get their book everywhere? It's, it works exactly like TuneCore. CD Baby actually has a book division. I ended up going with a company called Tableau, T-A-B-L-O, and they've been really, really nice. You, you literally just put your book up on their platform and they'll typeset it for you and they'll put it out to all the retailers in ebook form. And if you want print, you can opt into print and it's print on demand. So it's a pretty good deal. Oh. So people also can find your stuff at twitchformusicians.com? That's the best place to go because you'll find all the links to the book and the link to the course. And I've got a bunch of podcasts there that I've done and some blogs that I've written. And that's just sort of where I update stuff the most. Uh, If you want to chat with me on socials, then Twitter is Twitch for Music. Facebook is Twitch for Musicians. Instagram is Twitch for Music. And sadly, they won't be seeing you at conferences for a while. No, I was going to be at South by Southwest. I'm so bummed. It's, I've been, it's been really hard to find conferences that artists go to. I'm not so interested in talking to a room full of industry. I want to get in front of a room full of artists. That was kind of my challenge to myself this year. And I, I lined a bunch up that were really good. And of course, you know, I went to a few and none won't be doing that anymore. So. And people, instead, maybe you could be having a Twitch stream to help people how to do Twitch streams. Honestly, I probably wouldn't do it on Twitch. I would, because it you, you need to get it hip deep into the details pretty quickly. Well, it wouldn't be the right audience, or would it? It wouldn't be? be the right audience. No. No, it wouldn't. I don't that's not the people on Twitch already know what they're doing. I probably do it on Facebook or, or YouTube or something, you know, one of those would probably be better. 
we could go down a whole digital rabbit hole here. I'm assuming that there's a right time and a place for someone to do this. I think people are reshuffling their decks right now as to what the deck of cards is that they're trying to deal from in having especially live local music. And it sounds like this is an avenue to look at. Is there anything else you'd want to talk about as we wrap up? I would just encourage people to go to twitch.tv and look at the music category to search for music and you'll see the music category pop up and just spend an hour or two. I guarantee you it's going to turn into three and four hours. It just kind of does. The times you invest in live streaming are, are insane. Like you're just there for an hour and suddenly it's been two or three hours. You've been streaming for what you think is an hour and it's been four hours. Like the time just flies. It's really weird. But if you want to get your head around it and kind of see it in action and figure out if it's right for you, then I would just spend time on Twitch. Look at all the people who are playing, you know, kind of bounce around from stream to stream. It's totally free. Follow some, participate in the chat to sort of be a part of it and, and pay attention to what they're playing how they how they take requests or not? How are they monetizing? What are they doing with their emotes? What are they soliciting donations for? Like all that stuff. Just really pay attention. For the industry people, um, you might want to check out uh, a channel called Monster Cat. And Monster Cat is a label and a publishing company that operates like any other label and publishing company in terms of what they do for their artists. Although they they sign artists and they also sign singles. They're an EDM company. And what they do on Twitch is they have a 24-7 kind of radio playlist style stream. So there's no one to interact with. It's just music. People generally turn it on and then minimize the browser and go on about their business, which doesn't really sound great <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're a creator. But here's why it's great. So they put their whole catalog up for other creators to use on their streams. So you can mm. pay Monster Cat $5 a month. For, I think it's called a gold membership. And you can use any of their music on your stream and they will whitelist your channel for all of their music. So Twitch uses Audible Magic to see what's been copyrighted or not. So, so you're whitelisted basically, which is great. Whitelisting is, for those folks who haven't figured, that's what that's called yet. So whitelisting is where... Audible Magic is a company um, that will scan all the video on demand files, basically all the archives of these shows. And if they find any copyright music in there, they will tell Twitch and Twitch will mute that section for all the audio for that section that the song is playing. And if you're whitelisted, then they will not mute those sections. So I assume there's a way to get your own music whitelisted? I think you would need to, I'm not sure. I don't. Because if a singer songwriter comes in, they need to make sure they don't get accidentally demonetized or erased. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know how that works. Um, the singer-songwriters on Twitch are all playing live. They're mm -hmm. not playing sound recordings of themselves. So they are never going to get caught up in that net, basically. In the fingerprinting of master recordings that then tracks back to. Yeah, they're just not going to get caught up in that, at least not on Twitch. It's not that sophisticated yet. But for if you're a DJ playing a DJ set, then yeah, I mean, pretty much your whole archive is going to be muted. So for the original music and the original performance, this is an original direction. For VOD. And I would say that hardly anybody goes to Twitch for VOD anyway. VOD being video on demand. Video on demand. Yeah. People go for live. Once they discover your channel, they might check out some videos that you have 
on demand just to get background on you. But I mean, most of the people go there for is what's on right now, who's talking right now. So, so you, I can leave VOD on my channel for people to see backstory, essentially. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like for Marina, I make highlights out of her shows all the time. And I put those highlights up in little content categories organized by original song or cover song or whatever, so that you know people who discover her can go and listen to kind of the best moments of the shows. So I do that for her. We don't get a lot of streams on them, and that's fine. It's really there for fans who want to go deeper, who want to know more about her. And those are the ones, you know, I will take those people one by one. I'm happy to. So if someone wants to reach out and talk to you, they can go to your site. Mm-hmm. They can find you on social. Is that the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, I have a, an email on my site, contact at twitchformusicians.com. Um, or you can DM me on, on Twitter. That works too. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Direct message. I'm always, see, I'm always backtracking going, DM, what is DM? <laughs> Direct message. Because I always think of DMing now on Instagram. I don't tend to actually think of it as much as DMing on Twitter. I so. guess I don't realize how many acronyms I use. <laughs> we all everything, do, right? We Everything's all acronyms. do. Yeah. Well, Karen, thank you for joining us. And, and this might spark the imagination of a few people to say, hey, wait a minute. You mean I could pull a community together that is actually connected with me live in this new virtual new normal so appreciate your joining us today my pleasure it's so much fun thank you so much thank you so much thank you hope that helped hope that gave you some ideas and you got to meet a chance to meet somebody new from the privacy of your own home or your own private workspace or wherever you're spending your time if you're listening to this in march of 2020 we are going through the upside down thank you for joining the upside down with us and let us know otherwise how we can help you with innovating music thanks thanks for listening you have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.